give yourselves a hand for making it out this morning. So beautiful. Hey, I want to take a moment uh, this morning before we go any further. And uh, this is a great celebration moment for us at Hill City. I have standing with me on the stage the greatest, best-looking, most amazing mama a, a pastor could ever have, Mimi, who's my mom, and, uh, and my twin little brother, uh, Josiah. No. <laughs> the better-looking side of me. All right. And so these guys actually uh, oversee and run our grow track. And for you that maybe are brand new to us or visiting today... One of the things that we do at this church is we recognize that at some point, people have always walked up to me and say, hey, I've been coming to church here for a couple weeks. I really like the church. How do I connect in? How do I get connected in? And so years ago, we started what we call the Grow Track, and it's about four, it's four sessions. We do them between services so that you can come on a Sunday. And, uh, and then as well, we do them with our online. So our online guys have been going through the Grow Track. And what we do in the Grow Track is, first and foremost, we let you know who we are. Because you need to know if this is where you want to raise your kids at. You need to know, like, is, do I agree with them doctrinally? And uh, what I love about the body of Christ is that we can have different doctrines, but have the same Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen? And uh, as long as Jesus is the way, the truth, and life, no man comes to the Father except through him. I think I pretty much can be friends with just about everybody else. But, um, but, but there's always these little things that are, that are different and uh, the way we see it. Uh, we actually believe that women can lead because we see it throughout the scripture. And so other churches don't believe that based on some passages of scripture. And so one of the things that we do is we show you those pieces, let you look at our doctrinal uh, belief system. We also then tell you where we spend the money. Come on, somebody. It's the it's tithe of God. You're giving it to God and God's people who's in charge of what you give to God better do it right. So we show you that. And, uh, and then as well as we help you find your spiritual gifting and we help you find your place in, the ch in this church so that you can be who God made you to be. So I want you to do me a favor. Just give a warm round of applause for Mimi and Josiah. Take a few seconds and just share how fun it's been this year, the different ones who've come through the grow track. Just some, some we, of the great... We love it. I think we have more than 88. By now, we may have close to 100 folks. Hundred, hundreds, 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 yeah. Josiah said. Millions. We, we're evangelistic, evangelistic. But we're so thankful for each person that showed up every Sunday morning, four weeks in a row to learn. I always say, we want to share our story so hopefully it become part of your story. Yeah. We want to hear your story and we want to combine those stories and do life together and this is the place to do that so we're so thankful we have an amazing team pastor josiah has just come on board uh teaching some in our grow classes matt and annalee malark are the hosts there naomi she um naomi tuning does all the things behind the scenes we've got jay Montiagudo that's running around there tech hooking stuff. up all the text yeah. he makes us look look good on facebook live charlene's always jumping in there helping miss lisa piper is always helping we have a great team and we just want to give a shout out to them so it's josiah so what's fun. one of the best things that you've seen happen as you've been helping teach the grow track in people's lives what are some of the things you're seeing it's amazing to see people getting connected taking that next step deeper in the relationship not just with the lord but here even at hill city yeah and, the getting, body and getting connected it's just amazing to see the relationships yeah. that are developed and people be like and they, the aha oh i get it type yeah thing. so it's yeah. really cool well here's what i want to do uh if you guys will restart uh, the little name count, you can kind of get out and get back into it. And what we're going to do is uh, we're going to celebrate every name, um, uh, every one of you who have gone through our grow track in 2022. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead and stand to your feet right now. All right. If you've gone through our grow track in 2022, stand to your feet. All right. We're going to, your name's going to come across the screen. 
And when you see your friend's name come across the screen, I want you to yell and shout and celebrate them. Here we go. Yeah, look, Charlie Fulton. There you go. Play the music loud. It's a graduation sound. Stay standing. Don't sit down, you grow track people. We're so proud of you guys. So good. Look, there we go. Destiny White. Uh, the Macklemores, finally. They may be in this service. They may be online, but we celebrate you. Ephraim Awad. Where are you, Ephraim? Son, I'm so proud of you. Some of our young people have finished the grow track. Um, just so proud of each and every one. The Bostics. The Bostics. Let's go. Woo. All right. Keep going. Torres. Clark. Branson Edwards, Justin Edwards, let's go. Millions of graduates from our grow track, as Josiah said. There you go. Yell out their name. Mary Torres. Micah Certeza, wow, Micah. Mariah, my daughter, finally went through the grow track. Oh, Silas Edwards, good job, buddy. Mitchell, it was so good. We're at the Rodriguez's. Hold on, we're almost there. Wilson's, let's go. Yeah, clap for all of our Grow Track graduates. Thank you guys. I'm so proud of you. Hey, you know what makes my day watching those names come across the screen? Is that there were Johnsons? Come on, somebody. There was Flores's. Come on, somebody. There was white people names. You know what I love about who we are and not only that but in those names there were 13 year olds 35 year olds 75 year olds I just want you to know you're in the right place at the right time we may be fighting against culture but we are going to win because God made us to work together different cultures different ideologies and Christ the Bible says there's neither Jew nor Greek male nor female all of these dividing lines that we create they die when we come into the body of Christ we become under his rulership and his headship. So give yourselves a hand for being a part of a multiracial, multi-generational church. Well, it's Christmas time. Can you believe it's Christmas time? We're going to start a new series today called The Gifts. Everybody say The Gifts. And uh, what I love about Christmas is that we celebrate giving gifts to one another. It's really an impactful time, and I was asking one of uh, the elder ladies in our church, one of the mature people, I said, have you, have you done all your shopping? She says, no, I don't do a whole lot of shopping these days. I said, me either. I hate to get out and shop. I said, but Black Friday, I went crazy online. I bought stuff I don't even need um, for me. Like, you know, when you're my age, you have to buy your own Christmas presents. 
Just kidding, I'm just kidding. How many of you would testify that you've got someone in your life that's really hard to buy for? Anybody know what I'm talking about, right? Right? I'm a terrible gift giver because I really do love and value people so much that what I want to buy them, I can't afford. So I just end up going, ah, God bless you, I love you. Um, and, and all of us have had people in our lives and to this day that it's hard to buy for. Like, I don't know exactly what to give them because they're so valuable to us. I mean, yeah, you know, what, what do we give and, and how do we give that to them? And as we go into this series, what we're going to be looking at is the gifts that you and I during this season should be bringing to our Savior, Jesus Christ. And as much as it has become, you know, commercialized Christmas time, and as much as they want to take the Christ out of Mass and put X Mass to pull Jesus out of it, brothers and sisters, at the end of the day, we celebrate the birth of Jesus for the month of December. We don't know his exact birth date. And so we picked years ago, believers picked December 25th to be the day that we celebrate that the Christ King would come to the earth <clears throat> and with that being said I know many times for all of us what do we bring Jesus what's the gift we're supposed to bring well I believe there's some wisdom and even prophetic understanding and what the Magi did so our opening scripture will be Matthew chapter 2 if you'll turn there we'll look at verse 11 and this will kind of set the pace for the next three weeks the three-part series called the gift Matthew chapter 2 as well as Luke chapter 2 described kind of the season of Jesus's birth and, uh, and, and the time there in the manger, we sing songs about it. And then as well, in Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, that we're going to look at today, we see sometime after Jesus' birth that the magi, or the wise men, as another passage calls them, come and they find Jesus. They've been following a star, a prophetic, if you will, symbol in the sky to the Messiah, to the Savior, to the King of glory. And we'll pick up in verse 11. It says, upon coming to the house. Now the Magi have come. They finally found Jesus. They've been in search of this King that was prophesied. Upon coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. Now, to help you a little bit, most of our little nativity scenes are misappropriated um, because it's, you know, in the manger scene with the, with the shepherds and Mary with baby Jesus, recently born, momentarily born Jesus with Joseph, and then they'll put the wise men around. That's actually not proper timing of what transpired. In fact, most scholars believe Jesus was probably almost two years old by the time the Magi found him. So when we're reading in verse 11 of Matthew 2, they come into the house where Jesus is uh, is at, baby Jesus, and his mother Mary, and he's probably, again, just just uh, uh, short of two years of age. It says, and, and again, in verse 11, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. What transpired in that moment that these men fell on their face? These wealthy, wealthy entrepreneur, scientific, I mean, these are Elon Musk is who these guys are. That's who they are. They're wealthy, they're, they're, they're creative, they are futurists. I mean, they're seeing way down into what life is going to look like, and they recognize through all of their studies that something supernatural has transpired, and they have to go find the king of glory. And it says, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. They are wise men. They are little kings, actually. Continuing on, it says, And they opened up their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of frankincense and of myrrh. 
I believe that these three gifts are prophetic for who Jesus is. That these gifts all represented a portion of who he was. That he was, the gift of gold would be what you would present to a king. That the gift of frankincense is what you would present to a high priest. And the gift of myrrh is what you would present to a savior because it was reminiscent of what they would put on those who were going to die or who had died. And so we're going to look um, for the next three weeks into these three different gifts and apply them to us as what are we going to bring Jesus? What gift could we possibly give him that would be worthy of who he is? And I believe the Magi nail it by understanding these three ideologies of who Jesus is, these three positions that he holds in all of humanity's life. And so today, we're going to start first and foremost with the gift of gold, which is a gift fit for our king. It's a gift that you give a king, the gift of gold, and that you and I would understand that Jesus truly is king. In fact, uh, Revelation chapter 19 and verse 13 says, he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the word of God. Skipping down to verse 16, and on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, king of kings and lord of lords. Isaiah 9 and 6 and 7, prophesying about the Messiah to come, for to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace of the increase of his government government right now so the king of all the government and of peace there will be no end and on the throne of david and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forever the zeal of the lord of hosts will do this. Revelation 17, 14. They will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them, for he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings, and those with him, that's us, are called and chosen. How many of you are the called and the chosen? That's us. And faithful. We will be with him as the chosen, the called, and the faithful. These magi, these wise men, enter the room, and they immediately bow down. Now, it's interesting to me, as you study it out, that it's taken them almost two years to find him. How wise are they? In fact, I think about it like this. They miss his birth, but they find him close to two years of age. They're wise men. Had they been wise women, they wouldn't have missed the birth. I'm going to just say that right now. Because there ain't a woman on the planet that's going to miss a popular, uh, 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 you know, a, an important birth of one of their friends. I mean, they're not going to miss it. In fact, I think the reason why they missed it is because they, they marched around forever without asking for directions. Now, you know, there's not a woman on the planet who's too prideful to ask for directions. But these dudes can't be too wise because when they finally ask for directions, they ask Herod, who is the king of the Jews at the time. And from that becomes a plot for Herod to try to kill Jesus. And we'll look at that in just a moment. But he is the king of kings and the lord of lords and so their first gift that they present to him is a gift of gold which is a gift fit for a king may not be the gift that you would give to a high priest or to the savior or to a friend but it is the only appropriate gift for a king for that's who he was he was the king of kings and he is the lord of lords and the way that you would expand as a king the way a king would expand their kingdom 
in ancient times would be by warring against other kingdoms. That's how a king would expand his territory. Though Jesus be king of heaven, he comes to earth to expand his territory. And I want you to understand, Jesus didn't go to war with you. He went to war with the kingdoms and the powers that were ruling over you. The Bible is very clear that he defeated sickness. He defeated sin and the grave. See, each and every one of us, whether you realize or not, not you submit to something. You submit to ideologies. You submit to ways. And Jesus came to the planet to make captive every demonic force, to bring it under his rulership. And the Bible says that all principalities and all powers and all rulers and all authorities have been placed under his feet, for he has conquered each and every one of them. He is the true wonderful king. And what he then did was, once he defeated the rulership over humanity, he then said, I offer you my rulership. He gave us a choice. He did not force himself on us. He did not say, you will serve me now. I have defeated sickness. I have defeated sin in the grave. And you will come and you will obey my ways. He offers his rulership to us. It's amazing to me. I said this a few weeks ago. I had such revelation in my time of prayer. But Jesus was not voted on. He didn't win by popular opinion. God the Father set his son up to be ruler of heaven and earth. And we can do one of two things. We can choose to submit to his rulership or we can reject his rulership and allow the old wicked ways and the powers, the demonic forces over this old world system to continue to rule over us. And this is the conflict that we have, especially as believers, because even as believers, we struggle with letting him rule our lives. The best gift you could ever bring the king is the ability to rule over you. When we look at these next few weeks, what gift will you bring in celebration of the king? If you're the magi and you're there before Jesus, and you get down on your knees to worship him, what gifts do you have that you would open up to a king? What is worthy of his kingship and his rulership? As the magi come and they're looking to find this this prophetic thing. You have to understand, I did a little bit of research. Where did these magi come from? And, then, and one passage says that they're men from, from the far east. It, 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 more than likely, they're from Persia. Uh, more than likely, they're from the region of Babylon. It's not a far stretch then to think back through Scripture where we had Babylon when they had conquered Israel and they had taken the wisest and the smartest and the brightest of the young men. Anybody remember that? And Nebuchadnezzar brought them into his palace to train them. Anybody remember who those are? Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And as you read through the passage of scripture, Daniel becomes one of the wisest out of all of them. Well, Daniel's wisdom came from where? From the word of God. Daniel would have presented and marked as one of the great uh, places that he gets his wisdom from. He would have marked the Torah, the Word of God, the prophecies. So it's not a far stretch that these could be descendants from the groups of wise men from Daniel's era 
who had been studying the prophetic voices of the Old Testament, come on somebody, and had read through Ezekiel and had seen some of these prophecies that there was a great Savior coming, that the king of the world would be brought forth in a manger and that these men went looking for this when they see this sign in the sky as astronomers and they go, this is it. This is what we've been talking about for hundreds of years. This is what was passed down. This is what we're reading in this. And they take off into Jerusalem and when they come into Jerusalem, they make a big stir. And this is the misconception that most of us have that there were only three wise men on three camels with three little gifts. And that is foolishness. Let me tell you, these were wealthy. I mean, again, think like an Elon Musk. These guys were traveling with their own security personnel. These guys had a little army with them because they were carrying not one little gift. That was the three types of gift that they had. They didn't have one little box of gold. They probably had chests full of gold. When they bring their gifts before Jesus and his mother and his father Joseph, they just won the lottery. They, 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 didn't, they didn't just, oh, thank you little, for this little gold nugget. That's going to help us pay the bill this week. <laughs> These guys lavished their wealth upon the King Jesus, the child King Jesus. They are traveling in a giant caravan with lots of people. They are wealthy. They, are not, they didn't pull up on a little camel. They pulled up pulling in tow. What would be comparable to what all the celebrities drive around when they're doing events around the United States and these, you know, these million and point five RVs with these special touring buses with all this special, this is how they roll up. And that got the attention. Imagine if you were driving through downtown Dallas and you saw about 30 of these celebrity RVs, kind of, you know, uh, 18-wheeler package with all their gear and all that, you were like, who's in town? Who's here? Is there a concert going on? What's going on? Gets the attention of all of Jerusalem. And Herod, the king, the ruler over the Jews under the Romans, he gets all inquisitive. So he meets with them and they begin to say, where is your king? In fact, let's read that real quick. If you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. It says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We got a problem. Because who's the king of the Jews in their mind? Herod. And they start asking, where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Why? Because I'm the king. There'll be no other king. And so, as they study down through the scriptures, they said, well, let's go look for him here. And Herod says, listen, when you find him, come back and tell me so I can worship him as well. <laughs> while the Magi find Jesus, while they're with Jesus, the Lord speaks to them in a dream and says, don't go back that way. Don't go back through Herod's land. Go around a different way. And let's pick up now and see how that responds. In verse 16 of Matthew 2 still, then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he became a little upset. NIV uses the word furious. Have you ever been furious? 
No, you're believers. You love Jesus. You never get furious in traffic. Hey. When Herod saw that he'd been tricked by the wise men, he became furious, and he sent. Look what he does. He sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old and under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. That's why I hate abortion so much. Constantly trying to kill off what I believe are deliverers for our, for our generation. Children that may turn into the next great president, that might be the next great minister of the gospel, might be the next Bishop Jakes or, or Benny Hinn or whoever you like and admire that has changed great things, done great things. I mean, Billy Graham. And so, and so he goes to kill off all of these babies, and he does it. He pulls it off. But God has also warned Joseph and Mary to flee to Egypt, and they got the money to do it because they just won the lottery. I want you to understand Herod refused to have any other kings except him. And I wonder how often in our lives we refuse to have any other ruler in our life and bow our knee truly to Jesus. See, I talk to a lot of people who've come to Christ, but really they've come to Christ on the merit that they don't want to go to hell. But friend, there is another level of relationship with Jesus in that it's not about me going to heaven or hell. It's about you being king. And if you're king, what does that make me? servant and there's a lordship issue that has really lingered in the body of Christ and that's why you see so many people deconstructing their faith because they've never surrendered to Jesus' lordship they like the idea that they may get out of jail free if they do a little a little you know a little penance by going to church on Sundays give a little money here or there but they have no intentions to really bow in their knee and saying you are the king of kings and the lord you are my king and my lord and whatever you say I do my life is surrendered to you you are lord you are king and I am servant and let's just be honest, that grates against our Americanism, especially as Texans. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'll shoot y'all. So that brings me to a little bit of help. Can I help you a little bit? Say yes, Pastor. So I want to I help you in bringing your gift of gold to your king. I want to help you. Can I help you a little bit? Is that all right? This Christmas, I want you to finish this Christmas holidays and say, I brought everything that I had to Jesus. I gave him the greatest gift because I, I struggle sometimes. Like, what do I bring Jesus? I mean, we're celebrating him, and yet we're giving gifts to one another. Like, I just got new boots, and I got a new shotgun. I'm living large. But what have I brought to Jesus? More services? You know, what, what truly is the right gift? for the king. And let me just show you what your gold could represent. Your gift of gold. Your gift of gold to the king. Here's the first thing that I would say that your gift of gold looks like and that starts with number one, submission to his rulership. Submission to his rulings. What has he said? Do you understand we live in a country full of laws? You do know that, right? We have laws. And we have lawmakers. And they vote on law. We are supposed to get to vote on those laws. I don't know how we don't end up getting to do those things. And next thing you know, they're mandates without any vote on it and things like that. But at the end of the day, we have a set of laws. I am grateful to live in a country with law and order. 
if you've, ne- if you've never lived outside the United States in areas where literally people can walk into your house with machine guns and take everything from you and kill you and there's not, a, there's not enough law and order to protect you. If you've never been outside the United States and been in moments like that, you, th- that's why you don't love your country that much. But when you've been outside of those and you realize these guys can murder me and put me in a ditch and no one will care and no one will see- seek out justice for me, friend, then you get to the United States and you're like, I love my country. I love it. They may not, they, they, there's all kinds of corruption, but I thank God for the law and order that we do have. We have good laws and we have good order. I didn't say great laws and great order because there will be only one time in all of history where there's great laws and great order. And that's when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is reigning and ruling for a thousand year reign on this planet. And all of humanity comes and submits to his leadership. Right now we have a choice. We have a choice. He allows us to choose. And he does that. He gave us free will. And we're allowed to say, I don't want to obey you. And he says, to your own detriment, I give you free will. David said it like this in Psalms 119. I challenge everyone to memorize that whole chapter this week. I'm just kidding. Like, it's the longest chapter in the Bible. It's, it's hundreds of verses. <laughs> okay, pastor, I'll do it. All right, no, no, I'm just messing with you. All right. Uh, for Psalms 119, verse 1 through 8, look what he says. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. You have laid down your precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. He says, God, your laws are good. They're amazing. And oh, if only I was better. If only I was more steadfast at obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. Everybody say learn. Learn. Say it again. Say learn. learn. As I learn your righteous laws, I am still learning his righteous laws. Have you ever broke a law and you didn't know you were breaking it? Have you ever done that? I have. I have. I was like, what do you mean this is a one way? We can't go this way. Jamie's like, you can't go that way. There's a sign that says one way. I was like, baby, they don't really mean that. They don't know me. They don't know I'm good. That's for other crazy people who can't control themselves. Is this not how we approach the laws of the land? And this is not how we approach what Jesus says throughout his holy scriptures as his holy law and his precepts. I am guilty as charged. Oh, but grace and mercy. Continuing on, if you drop down in verse 9, he says it like this. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. Let me stray from them. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that have come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees and I will not neglect your word. David understands you have laid down your law, your ways, your precepts because you are my king. For everyone else, they don't have to obey your laws. They don't, they're going to burn forever. 
But I have said, you are my king. I have bowed my knee and confessed you as my Lord. I have, I have been marked by you. I have been, my ear has been pierced as one of your servants. You actually have my name tattooed on your arm. I am yours. You are mine. And I surrender to you as king. So, Lord, I struggle to obey your laws. I struggle to obey your laws. And I'll tell you why we all struggle to obey laws. Because we have a sin nature that is rebellious to the ways of God, to the laws of God. We have a sin nature that doesn't like his laws. We, we need to recognize that our sin nature is actually hostile to his rulership. That's why you come to church and you be like, feel the presence of God. And you're like, I will, God. I will obey you. And then you get home and you're like, I ain't doing that. Why did I say that? I have no intentions. I have no intentions of doing what he says. I, I, why? Because there's this battle between our flesh and our spirit man. His rulership and our rulership. You know what the greatest gift you can give Jesus in this season? His rulership over your life. Lord, I submit to you and I will obey your rulership. I, I a, a fresh surrender. I tell you, I freshly surrender week to week because I realize, oh, I'm, and rebelliousness is fun. That's what the Bible says. Sin is fun for a season. It's fun. It's enjoyable to get away with it. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. It's fun to get away with stuff. Oh, my goodness. It's fun. You remember the first time you stole as a kid and you got away with it? You're like, I benefited and you didn't catch me. Right? Until you got caught. Right? Because we have this thing inside of us that rebels against his leadership and against his rulership and against his ways. But his ways are higher than our ways. They're better than our ways. I used to hate all the speed limit zones. They're stupid. I can drive 85 to 100 on the interstate and be fine. I get the other people are not good enough to do that. So let's put that on them and not on me. Right? Until I was one of the first persons on the scene of an accident where bodies were strewn across the pavement. Until the one time I was speeding and a little boy was in a median and I didn't see him and he walked out in front of me. And I almost killed him. Your ways are higher than my ways. I will obey your, I will obey your law, David says. Because what I keep doing keeps messing it all up. Here's the second way you bring your gold gift. What is gold? Your, your, your gold. And that is surrendering your valuables. Ooh, careful pastor. Surrendering your... So what these, what these magi did is they bow, bow, uh, um, knelt down and they gave him their gold, their valuables. Gold would be reminiscent of what is the most valuable commodity that you could give. And it is the only gift truly fit for a king. And that is your valuables. You know, we see in Acts chapter 4 and verse 32. Can I just read this to you? The New Testament church. The moment the church is birthed and all the brand new Christians and they've lived a life outside of really following God's ways. They've tried to obey his laws, but they can't really. And they get the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through them. And the supernatural work of God starts manifesting in their lives. It says, and now the multitude of those who believe, verse 32 of Acts 4, were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say, to one, uh, say that any of the things he possessed was his own. 
but they had all things in common. Verse 33, and with the great power, um, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them. Look at verse 34. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them. And brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet and said, listen, you just, you distribute it to every, because it's not mine. It all belongs to the Lord. I just give God all my valuables. And this is what the early church was doing. In fact, Jesus, in, in this moment with the rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 10, he says, what should I do to be holy? The Lord says, obey all the laws. He goes, oh, I've done all of that since I was little. I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, yeah, buddy. Well, you're lying right now. So there you go. You're breaking that one. And Jesus said, okay, well, then go sell everything you have and come follow me. The Bible says that he went away sad, didn't come back to Christ. Why? Because he was, the Bible says, because he was really wealthy. And I have learned, and it started with me when I was a young man. I've learned that those things that I consider valuable, they have to be in the hands of my king and not in my hands. That I'm a steward of things that he would trust me with, but I don't own it, he owns it, and I am just a steward of it. And so when I was a young man, we did not have a lot of money. We, were, we weren't poor, we were po. And there's a difference, and only those who've been there understand it. And so uh, we had started, you know, mom had started working at a little school at a secretary, at a school I was going to. And so since she had to stay after work um, uh, longer, because school got out at 3, but she had to stay till 5 or 5.30, um, they basically let me kind of, I, I took out the trash. I, you know, I scrubbed down the, the chalkboards and things like that. And they were giving me a dollar an hour to do it. I was about, I was probably 10, 11 years old or something like that. And in the process, we had just gotten saved. We'd just gotten baptized in the Holy Spirit. We were on fire for God as a family. And every Sunday after church, mom's big thing was, let's go drive out in the country and be a family. Well, I hadn't quite hit the cool preteen age yet, so I was like, okay, let's go. And for a year and a half, two years, I had been saving up my little dollars because I wanted a BMX bike. And only the men of the 80s understand the value of a BMX bike as a teenager, a young, a young person in the 80s, late 70s. And so, and so I had been saving, and I'd saved up to $150. And we're driving down through the countryside on a Sunday afternoon, come around the corner on one of these FM 103s out in the middle of nowhere. And all of a sudden, out in the middle of this field is a tent. And a little sign out, Tent Revival, starts at 6 p.m. tonight. Well, it's 5.55, and Mom's like, we should pull in. <laughs> Why? Because we're on fire. We have no idea what Tent Revivals are, but it looks cool for Jesus. Let's go. So we pull in, and we walk up, and they got the little chairs out on the grass under this tent. And, man, this poor little family is doing all they can for Jesus. And they're out trying to bring revival to the countryside. And so we roll up, we sit down, and we're the only people in the tent besides their kids. And the pastor gets, the preacher guy gets up, and he's leading worship, and his little wife's playing the piano, and his little son's trying to play the drums. It's terrible. All right? No, and then the other kids are sitting on the front row next to us going, all right, and we're like the only ones in. And, man, they sing. It's terrible. But when we try to worship with them, and then they finish worship, and they do what preachers do. He gets up there and says, now some of you need to help us bring this revival to the nations of the earth. We're the only ones there. Some of you here can give 1,000. Some can give 10,000. No, anyway, he started doing that. And I heard the voice of the Lord as clearly as I ever have, give your entire savings account. Now, for a little guy who's never had anything, who's been saving his pennies to get his BMX, this is not the voice of the Lord. This is the voice of a devil. This is not God. It was there then and now that I understood a truth. 
Either he's going to be king or I'm going to be king. Which one's going to reign? And he hit me again. Give it all. And I said, Jesus, this is all I have. He said, I have need of it. Give it all. I have no idea what God was trying to do for this little family. I don't have any idea. They probably were on their way to quit. Like, this is the end. I'm never going to do this again. It didn't work. I have no idea what they had need of. But my little $150, I leaned over to mom and I said, Mom, I know it's in my savings account, but I want you to write a check for my whole $150. And she said, are you kidding me? I said, the Lord told me to. And I'm not, don't ask me again. Let's do it quick. (laughs) Quick obedience. (laughs) Because if I had time to sit on it, it ain't going to happen. You know what I'm talking about. The Lord's told you some of you to give a car or something away before. And you're like, "Uh uh-uh. I got to pray about that. After about three weeks of praying, you didn't give nothing away, right? Because you found scriptures in the Bible that says, no, 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 no. This one will work for me. The blessing of the Lord is mine. The blessing of the Lord is mine. And so mom said, okay. So she wrote the check, and they had the little basket that they passed. There's only, you know, 10 of us. By this time, a couple other people came in, but there wasn't more. 10 people put that $150 check in there, and, and uh, I, I walked away just as free. It was in that moment as about 11-year-old that I understood his rulership in my life. And anything valuable that I have is not mine, it's his. And I'll tell you why. Because two weeks later, as I was lamenting my decision to obey, (laughs) because my buddy down the street, his parents had some money, and for his birthday, he got the BMX that I wanted. And as I was, you know how this thing works with God. As I was lamenting, after school, the principal called me into the office, which happened all the time, so I was used to it. (laughs) But this particular time... He said to me, hey, two weeks ago we got audited. And we didn't realize that we've been paying you a dollar an hour when minimum wage is $2.25. Anybody remember that era? So we have a check for you for $150. I did not hesitate. I went and bought my doggone BMX that day before the Lord tried to get me to give that away. Let me just explain to you. It is not your valuables. It's his if he's king. If you're king, then they're your valuables. So the question to you and to me is, is Christmas a time that you're willing to remember your king? And here's my gift. Here's my gift of value to you. Whatever you have. The Lord will ask of it. Let me ask you this question. What do you oversee, possess, are in charge of? That if the Lord asked for it, you would struggle to give it away. Jesus. I'm the one preparing the message. I've been asking that for three days. Like, God, please, please. There's nothing, Lord. It's all yours. But let us own the fact that we have flesh that struggles to submit to his rulership. And that brings me to the last big piece on what our goal can look like in modern times. What is our goal that we give to our king and that is number three surrendering your rights surrendering your rights I struggle with Luke chapter 6 and verse 27 when he says but I say to you who here love your enemies no they do not deserve to be loved they're my enemy for a reason but he says love your enemies do good to those who hate you or Matthew chapter 6 
Verse 14 and 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I struggle with those passages because I still want to be Lord over my life. But the King of kings and the Lord of lords requires that you and I would let go of our rights. We are not in charge anymore. He's in charge. And so in his kingdom, as he creates peace and joy and forward momentum, the only way he can do that is if we submit our rights and say, well, I have a right. What they did wasn't fair. That's not right, Jesus, what they did. And Jesus says, I need you to let go of your rights so that I can rule. But when you and I have rights in his kingdom, then what we do is we come against his rulership and what he's trying to accomplish because we stand in the way. And some of you, you have an ex-spouse who has done you wrong. And you're holding on to that right. Or you have a pastor from back in the day. Or you have a, you have a co-worker. Or you have a, a boss from back in the day. And you're holding your right to hate them. You're holding on to your right to not forgive them. You're holding on to your right to judge them and talk bad about them because of what they did. And what they did was wrong. And it was unjust. And it wasn't right. But at the end of the day, the only way he can rule over you is when you and I hand him our rights and say, I am your servant. Do what you want to do with me. My ways are not right ways. Your ways are higher than my ways. Lead me into all truth and I will follow you even though I don't agree. I will follow you and I will lay down my rights because this is what servants do with kings. And in that, in that is some of the most precious, beautiful gifts that you could ever give to your king. Jesus, I have lived with 10 years of hatred towards this person. This Christmas, like those magi, I'm going to fall down on my knees, and I'm going to open up what's precious to me. I have protected this right to hate them for what they did. But I am giving you that. I am giving you and surrendering you to you my rights. I believe the magi were prophetically sent by the Heavenly Father to point us to the way on what we're to give. That they identified who he was starting with the first gift of gold, that he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So the question for you and I, as we go forward into the Christmas holidays, is he really our king? And will we bring him a gift that is fitting for him? Have you ever showed up somewhere and you had the wrong gift? I have. In fact, I wasn't supposed to tell you all this, but she's not in the room, so I'm going to tell you what my wife did a couple years ago. A couple years ago, I was an executive at the Bible school up the road, Christ for the Nations. And the president had us all over for Christmas. And when we were about to head over that way for the Christmas party, I said, baby, we probably ought to bring some something. And she goes, that's true. We need to give gifts to the other executives. And so we were downtown area. We were, uh, we were actually in Bishop Arts. She goes, what about the, the, the dude sweet, the chocolate? We bring them all chocolates. I'm like, that's great. So we're running late, so I pull up. She jumps out of the car. I put my flashers on. I'm still kind of like on the side of the road, not in an official parking spot. She runs in. She's grabbing stuff, and she sees the special of all these mix of chocolates. Just the So she grabs them. Doesn't even pay attention to them. She grabs them all, and she buys them. And then they're already kind of pre-wrapped, got the little bow on it like it's Christmas time. And so we bring them, and we start handing them out. She didn't really pay attention to what was written on it. And when the president's wife got hers, it said, it said, hemp chocolate. 
And the next, the vice president's wife, her said, cognac chocolate. For these amazing Bible school trainers, we got them the seven deadly sins of chocolate. It was the wrong gift. I don't want you to waste your Christmas season with Jesus by bringing the wrong gifts. These are the gifts we should bring the king. Would you stand with me quickly across the room? Now, you don't tell my wife that I said none of you online. Y'all better not tell her. I'm in trouble. Can I stay at someone's house this weekend? I'm going to need a place to stay. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to just bow your heads right where you stand. He's the king. The question is, is he your king? He's defeated the rulership that wants to rule over you. He's defeated sin. You don't have to be subject to the power of sin anymore. He's defeated the principalities, the powers, the demonic forces. They're under his feet. He is reigning king. He set you free from your old rulers. The question is, will you let him rule over you? This Christmas, right here, right now, will you bring him your gift of gold? Would you bring him your submission to his rulership and his ways, his laws, his precepts, even though you don't like them, even though they, don't, they war against your sin nature? He said, ah, that's so tough. That's so tough. Will you, will you surrender your valuables? Say, Lord, it's taken me years to build this up. But Lord, they're not mine, they're yours. I lay my gold at your feet. Whatever the Lord had need of, I'm just a steward. Will you surrender your rights to continue to be angry and bitter? Say, Pastor, how do I know if I'm holding on to my rights in those areas? Because you're always talking about it. It always comes up in conversation somehow about how you were done wrong, how you're a victim. You're not a victim because you're a servant of the victorious one, the ruling king. You're his son. You're his daughter. So let go of those old rights. Surrender them so that you can thrive as a son, as a daughter of the king. Would you just take a moment? I want you to answer you and Jesus. Just take a moment with your God, with your head bowed and your eye closed. Kind of talk to him. What do you value so much that if he asked for it, you would really struggle? Would you by faith just say, Lord, it's yours? What right are you holding on to that you're willing to come and bow before the king? I open up my treasures, Lord. I give you the gold. I submit to your rulership, Jesus. What laws in the scripture, what precepts have you struggled to obey? Would you just go ahead and surrender yourself afresh today? hear the cry of our congregation of me Lord as the pastor surrender everything here we are Lord Jesus you are the king of kings and the Lord of lords under your breath would you just begin to declare him the king of your life would you just recommit yourself to be his servant to submit to his laws and his ways even though you don't always agree with them
even though your flesh wars against them. Jesus. All to thee, my blessed Savior, Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give a call for anyone who might say, Pastor, this is my moment. I hear God. I hear him in the back of my mind. I hear him in my heart. I hear him calling me to come and serve him. Maybe you would say, Pastor, if I died today, I, I probably wouldn't go to heaven. Friend, I can help you alleviate that right here, right now. I've got such good news. Jesus didn't just come in a manger. He grew through humanity, and he went to that cross. He ripped open this this blockade that we had between us and God because of our sinfulness. And he made a pathway down through the middle of it. On that cross, he made a pathway to God. He is that pathway. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that he will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He will save you, as you maybe have heard Christians say. And so today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'd like to lead anyone who's here today. Say, Pastor, it's time. I want to get right with God. I want to repent of my sins. I want to, I want to confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Then would you let me lead you in a prayer of repentance, a prayer of confession? It's going to be deep. It's going to be private. It's, it's intimate. It's for you and God. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to point you out. The cameras are not going to zoom in on you. This is your moment with God. Do you want it? Do you not want it? If you want Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, and you want to repent of your sins because you don't believe, that in the state that you're in right now, you'd go to heaven if you died. Let's alleviate that by confessing with our mouth and believing in our heart. If there's anyone in the room, say, Pastor, pray for me. It's time. I'm ready to get right with God. Would you just slip your hand up so I know who I'm praying for? Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. Thank you, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. Okay. Amen. Thank you for your honesty. Let's do this. Let's, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I want you, uh, now, you can put your hands down. I'm going to lead you in this prayer of repentance. There's nothing magical about the words. But supernatural is you, you sense God. You know God got you here today. You know God got you online with us. He did that. So now let's respond to him by confessing with our mouth and believing in our heart. I'm going to get you to repeat this prayer with me, and I'm asking you to mean it from the depths of your heart. I'm not going to leave you there by yourself. I'm going to ask everyone in the congregation to pray this out loud alongside of you. But I want you who lifted your hand to say, Lord, here I am. I mean this with all of my heart. You ready? Let's pray this prayer. Say it like this. Say, Jesus. Come on, a little better. Jesus, today, I admit I'm a sinner. And I recognize I've been sinning against you. But here and now, I repent of my sins. I turn away from them. I change my mind. I give you my life, Jesus. I ask you now to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in your book of life. I'm yours forever. In Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed. I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you. Right now, there'll be a peace that comes over these men and women. They're not fighting with you anymore. There's no more elephant in the room. They're not running away from you. They stopped. And they said, okay, it's time. I'm ready to get right with God. They cried out to you like your word says. They've confessed with their mouth. And they believe in their heart. They've surrendered themselves to your lordship, to your kingship here in this holy moment. And so, Lord, I ask you to bring that peace that the Bible talks about into their heart, into their thinking. Lord, that joy, the Bible calls it the joy of our salvation. Lord, I ask you here and now, Lord God, the, all the worries of the mind. And, and Lord, I know they're going to leave here today and they're probably going to sin again. And Lord, that thought's going to come. Ah, you hypocrite, you didn't mean it. Lord, would you remind them in those moments? They're not perfect. They're forgiven. They're forgiven. And Lord, dust them off and keep them moving forward. 
as their relationship with you grows. Connect them with other good Christians. Say, Lord, we all need good friends that are serving you. Kind of strengthen us times when we're weak. And so, Lord, I thank you for decisions that were made. They're sealed now, never to be stolen. In the name of Jesus. And all God's people said amen and amen. Come on, can we applaud all that God's done today? Hey, thank you for joining us online here at Hill City. We're so honored that you would take the time to join us remotely and to celebrate the goodness of Jesus. I hope that word spoke to you. I hope that you were blessed today. And I hope that you are encouraged to go forth in the confidence of Jesus this week, wherever you are. If you made a decision today uh, to serve Jesus for the first time, we want to celebrate with you. Would you text DECIDED to 469 606 2684 and uh, we want to respond and again just connect with you and celebrate the beginning of an amazing discipleship journey with Jesus don't forget next week we are here again same place same time nine o'clock and 11 and until then we hope you have an amazing week